Well, good morning, Core Church. Man, great to see you guys here at our 11 o'clock service. Can we thank our worship team one more time for leading us in worship? Well, my name is Daniel. I'm the community pastor here. If you would, just remain standing just for a few minutes while we read God's Word together. We are in week two of our series, Treasures, Trophies, and Toys. And we're talking about money, but this series is so much more than just a giving series or a you should live on a budget series. This series really is a heart series. And especially today's message, it's really so much more than just about handling money, but it's more about our heart towards money and our heart towards the things that we find security in. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 6 today. If you don't have a Bible, I would encourage you just to download the YouVersion Bible app on your smartphone. And uh, this is one of Jesus's longest teachings about money. It comes out of the famous Sermon on the Mount. And so we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. I'll be reading out of the New Living Translation today. It says, Jesus talking here, he says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Then it goes on to expound on this idea of not worrying about the food and clothing that we have. And he kind of goes on and he sums it up in verse 33. So skipping down to verse 33, Jesus says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So Father, we come before you today and we ask that you would speak to us today. Lord, I just pray that you would challenge some of us, Lord, in, in our thinking and challenge us, Lord, and in, in our perceptions today, God. We open up our heart and we open up our minds for you to do exactly that. Lord, we open up our, our heart for your spirits to come in and to speak to us. Lord, we don't want just information today. God, we want transformation. We want to be transformed by your word. And so, Lord, we partner with you in that. Would you speak to us? Would you change our lives. And if you're ready to hear from God this morning, can I get a big amen? Amen. You guys can be seated. So as a homeowner, I've discovered that um, I really, really um, believe the internet was not created just for funny cat videos. It was not created for social media. But the apex of the internet, the ultimate purpose of the internet is for us to have and share DIY solutions. You know, how to fix things around your home. Forget going to Lowe's. Forget going to Home Depot. Give me some pipe cleaners, some PVC, and some vinegar. We're going to figure some stuff out, you know. And so that is what the internet is ultimately about. And if you've ever, you know, Googled some sort of DIY thing for whatever problem you have in your house, you know that half of them work and half of them don't. Half of them work and half of them are great. Half of them you just spent three hours and a lot of frustration only then to have to go to Lowe's or Home Depot. But I have discovered, my family has discovered the 
best DIY solution ever. And so it's springtime in Oklahoma, and, and you know that means if, if you live in a home or apartment that you're getting ready to have some bugs, right? And so a few years ago, we had an ant problem. And, you know, when you have an ant problem, you know how it works. You're in your kitchen one day, and you see this one little ant coming across. And, and so you bring the justice of God down on the ants, smush, turn, wash hands. You know, ants taken care of. Except the next day, there's two ants crawling across your counter. So smush twice, turn, wash, repeat. Then the next day, you have a full-on line of ants in your home. And I don't know about you, but there's just something about ants that just make me feel like a dirty person. You know, it's like, I don't think I'm dirty, but like I see ants in my house, all of a sudden I realize, honey, we're trash people. Like we just, we're just garbage people. And so, you know, we had, we decided we need to fix the ant problem, of course, do we go to Lowe's? Do we go to Home Depot? Do we buy the raid? No, we don't do that. Do we call the exterminator? No, we turn to the internet. And so my wife finds uh, a recipe for this ant uh, bait trap, and it's, it's this stuff right here. And I want to tell you, this is the best DIY solution we have ever stumbled across. So, so you cook some of this up on your stove, and it has like sweet stuff and borax and some stuff like that in it. And um, you pour out some of it into like a pickle jar lid or something, just something real low that the ants can get into. And when you do this, I want to tell you, you will not just have one or two ants. You will not just have a line of ants. You will have a full-on infestation surrounding your pickle jar lid. In fact, we took a picture of us doing just that. And so the red plate is, has the ant bait on it. And there is my four-year-old, Andrew, just fascinated watching these ants. So bonus, you get hours of entertainment for your kids as they watch these ants. And so the ants come into the plate, and I, I remember the first time we did this, I thought, honey, this is not working. Like, the ants are coming. We're just feeding the ants. It's like a party in my kitchen now for the ants. You know, can we make you more comfortable, ants? You know, it's just like, I, I'm just thinking we need to get the raid and we need to spray them. She's like, honey, have faith. Let the thing do its job. And so we let the ants come. They, they infest the house. But then two days later, ants are gone. And so the ants are completely gone. And so I know for some of you, you will not hear another word I say in today's message because you will be too busy Googling now, what is this ant stuff? So don't do that. Shoot me a message after. Be happy to share the recipe with you for the ant solution. And so the, the thing we have to understand is we took something that the ants naturally desire, the sweet stuff in the trap. We took something the ants naturally desire, but we poisoned it and we turned it into a trap for the ants. They naturally desire the sweet stuff in the bait, but we poison the bait, and now we have them trapped, and we have it out for the destruction. I want to tell you, the enemy wants to take things that you and I naturally desire, especially when it comes to how we view and handle our money. He wants to take things that we naturally desire, and he wants to poison them, and he wants to trap us. And he wants to take us out and he wants to get our eyes off of God, off of the things of God, and on to worrying about our money and worrying about our stuff. In fact, this is really what this series is about, are the traps that the enemy lays out for us. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about some of them. Next week, we're going to be talking about this, the trap of status. I have to have more things so people think more of me and my identity is not in God, but it's in my status and the Week after that, we're going to talk about the trap of stuff and just the, the race for more and more and more to fill a hole in my soul so I can just get more and more things. But this week, we're going to be talking about the trap of security. 
how the enemy poisons our view and our relationship and our identity of money and stuff and, and finances. And he poisons that for us to think that our security comes from our money and not from God. This is what the trap of security is. This is what the security trap is, is that our identity, we think, and our security comes from money and not from God. And we have all can relate to this. We've all been there. So in my life right now, for the first time ever over the last maybe year or two, like I've, I've got actual savings in my savings account. Now before this, I had a savings account, but it had nothing in it. I don't even know why I had it. It was just the pay the bank $6 a month account because there was nothing in the account. But lately over the last, just, you know, through some different things, we have a little bit of money, not, not like a lot, but just, you know, just enough. And I want to tell you, there is a sense of security and confidence that you have in your life when you know that if something happens to your car or something happens to your house, that it's not going to devastate you financially. But I have been on the other side of that as well. I have been where you balance your checkbook down to nothing or when you balance your checkbook down to less than nothing where you know, okay, if I buy groceries today, that's not going to clear until this day and I get paid here. So I, you know, I, I know how I can float things to make this work. You know exactly how long it takes for Quick Trip to clear your account so that you know when you buy gas, you know you have to put money back in here. You know exactly how long it takes for Walmart to clear your account because you can quickly do mental math. Okay, I have $20 in the account here and I need this. And you can quickly, we have been there and we have done that. And I want to tell you, it is like a feeling of being exposed. It's like trying to stay healthy in flu season. You know, you're like, no one look at me. No one touch me. I don't even want to fist bump someone. I don't know where your fist, I don't want to fist bump someone. You just stay away from me. I want to be in my bubble because any little thing can take me out. And that's that feeling of not having anything put away. It's, it's, it's a feeling of being exposed. Any unexpected expense can wipe me out. Any unexpected bill can wipe me out. And I want to tell you, that is an awful feeling. That is an awful feeling to have. I've been there I know that feeling. I mean, to some extent, you know, we're all still there. And, and so we know what that feels like. So I want to tell you right off the top that what we're talking about today is not this idea that having a savings account is evil. It, that's not what Jesus is saying here. It's not this idea that having money or having wealth is evil. In fact, in Financial Peace University, one of the key things that you're going to learn is how to build and establish an emergency fund. Because you're going to need some things put away so that if you have an emergency, it does not wipe you out and it does not devastate you. This is not what we're talking about today. See, money can provide stability and money can provide security. Yes, absolutely. But the thing that we have to understand is that money cannot be the source of our stability. That money cannot be the source of our security. That it's okay to have it. But where is our actual security? Is it in our money or is it in the God who provides? Is it in our funds or is it in our heavenly Father? Where is our security ultimately? Is it in what we accumulate or is it in who we are in Christ? See, I believe, Christ followers, I believe that God has something better for us than riding the ups and downs of our checking account. I believe that God has something better for us than riding the ups and downs of your savings or the ups and downs of whether or not you got enough hours on your paycheck 
this week or whether or not you're going to get overtime this week or how your 401k is doing or how your business's profit and loss is doing or how the S&P is doing or how the Dow Jones is doing or how your pension is doing, that God has something better for us than finding our security in those things and constantly riding the ups and downs of what we have and what we lose, what we gain and what goes out, that God has something better for us. I believe that God has for us the ability to have security and confidence and peace, even if our financial situation isn't what we want it to be, even if you get paid hourly, even if you own a small business, even if you're a commission-only salesperson, even if things don't look like you want them to look, that God can still provide peace and stability and security for us regardless of outside circumstances. That this is the life that God wants us to live. And so what Jesus does over these verses is he unpacks why it's such a bad idea for us to get our security out of earthly resources, for us to get our security out of earthly treasures. So we're going to look at that today, and out of this, we're going to discover an alternative to this kind of life where we find security in things that cannot be moved, that cannot be destroyed. You guys with me so far? Awesome. All right, three of you are. The rest of you apparently are loaded and don't even need this message. Well, good for you. The rest... All right, here we go. So we're going to start in verse 19. Jesus says this, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. So what Jesus is saying here, the first thing we have to understand about earthly treasure is this, is earthly treasure is what? Earthly treasure is temporary. Earthly treasure is temporary. So quick story. I am a car guy. Love cars, love buying and selling cars, love driving new cars. If I could drive a new car every six months, man, sign me up. I would totally do that. So I used to be a courier, a delivery driver, and I had to use my own vehicles. I put thousands of miles a month on cars, and so I would burn through cars. Now, the smarter couriers would just drive something until the wheels fell off. Not me. I thought it was a great excuse for me to constantly be getting a new car. And so, you know, be constantly just getting different cars until finally, you know, I wasn't in that job anymore but old habits die hard. And so my wife finally sat me down and was like, honey, you've got to stop buying cars. The kids don't know what's going to be in the driveway next month, and you're, you're ruining our life. You've got to stop. It's so, okay, okay, I hear you. I see you. I will stop. And so we um, researched, and we found our forever vehicle, okay? And now you're thinking, Daniel, you're a car guy. What's your forever vehicle? That's got to be pretty good. Got to be something pretty sweet. I want to tell you it was. It's a 2009 Honda Odyssey minivan. Oh, yeah. EXL, leather seats, pop-down DVD player. Now, I know some of you, you're running your bougie SUV game, and, you know, you're turning your nose up at me. Well, I want to tell you something. I can park my minivan at Target next to your bougie SUV, and my kids can get out, and I don't have to worry about dinging your $70,000 Denali. So who's really the smart one? Just saying. Just saying, that's preaching up in here to me and my wife. All right. Had the, had the minivan, loved the minivan, and um, one day I get up Sunday morning getting ready to come to church, and I don't know if you guys have ever had this happen to you where, like, you see something, but you're not really sure if you saw it, so maybe you do this, or you just kind of need to reset your eyes because you're like, I think I saw something, but I'm not really sure what I saw, right? So I open the door to the garage, and I go on Literally, and then I closed the door again and then blinked and, like, slapped myself a few times because I'm like, I don't think my eyes are working anymore. So I opened the door again. Van's gone. 
Van's gone out of the garage. Stolen out of our garage. I got to be at church in 20 minutes to lead worship. Van is gone. TPD comes over, you know, file a police report. I show up to church. I still remember we're singing this song, No Other Name. There's like this break in the song where I usually encourage, you know, you guys to sing. And, and so I'm like, maybe, you know, I remember we're doing that. I was like, man, maybe you've had a rough morning this morning. Maybe things aren't going your way. Bad things going on in your life. Maybe your van just got stolen. I remember people looking at me like, what is this guy talking about? You lead from where you are, people. That's just a little leadership wisdom right there. So just to put a, a bow on the story, a couple weeks later, TPD finds the, uh, the van. It's in this alley in North Tulsa, like half a mile down this alley. It's like overgrown with like trees and all, all this stuff. And I remember I get there like at dusk, and these two TPD officers meet me there, and they didn't send the scrawny guys. I mean, they sent like, you know, the big bulky guys. And I'm walking down this alley at dusk, and I'm like, what is going on with my life? And, you know, get in the van. I have to back it out. Everything's busted up in the van. $17,000 of damage to my $12,000 minivan. We had found the thing that was supposed to last. We had found the thing that was supposed to provide stability and a sense of security. And literally what Jesus said would happen, happened to us. Thieves broke in and stole it, and it was gone. And maybe for you it wasn't a van, but maybe for you it was a job or a position that you were supposed to have and was finally supposed to bring some security and, and some uh, stability to your life, and then layoffs happened, and then downsizing happened. Or maybe for you it was a relationship that finally was supposed to provide a sense of security and a sense of stability, and then it ended without your say in it ending. Whatever it is, we have to understand that what Jesus is saying is so true. The earthly treasure is temporary. It's here today, and it's gone tomorrow. It's not something that lasts. And in fact, in our core group study, if you're in a core group, we're going over this uh, video series, The Treasure Principle. And in it, Randy Alcorn says that when Jesus says, don't store up your treasures on earth, he's not making a right or wrong argument. He's not saying it's immoral or it's wrong for you to store up your treasures on earth. He's making a smart, stupid argument. He's saying, look, don't store up your treasures on earth, not because it's wrong for you to do that, but because it's stupid for you to do that. Why? Why would you store up your treasures on earth when you either can't take it with you or your treasure can be taken from you? Why would you put your security and your hope and your stability in something that you either can't take with you or that can be taken from you? Jesus says there's got to be a better way, and there is. And so Jesus outlines the alternative for us. He says, store up your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and still store up your treasures in heaven. Store up your treasures in God's kingdom. Store up your treasures in eternal things. Now, you're going to hear this concept a lot in the series. We talked about it some last week. We're going to continue to talk about it. But what does it mean for us to store our treasures in heaven? What does it mean for us to invest in God's kingdom? Does God have like Cash App or Venmo or something like that that I can, you know, hit him up? Does God have some 401k that I don't know about that I can invest in? What does it mean for us to do that? Well, it's really simple. What it means to store up treasures in God's kingdom is simply this. We store up treasures in God's kingdom by investing in kingdom people and kingdom places by investing in kingdom people, investing in kingdom places. This is how we store up treasures in God's kingdom, by putting our money into things that are eternal, by putting our money into things that build the eternal. And I want to tell you, this is why 
the church is a great place to start doing this. Because right now, as you are seated, you are sitting around the people of the kingdom that are building the kingdom of God and that we are becoming the kingdom of God. Now, I want to tell you, is the church the only place that you can do this? No, absolutely not. There are so many great organizations that are about the work of the kingdom. There's a great organization right here that's about the work of the kingdom and Abba Compassionate Ministries. There's great organizations that we talk about all the time. I am not forgotten. 111 Project. Great organizations that are about the work of the kingdom. And when you invest in them, you're investing in the eternal things. You're investing in the kingdom. But I want to tell you, if you're looking for a place to start, where do I start to begin to invest in eternal things? Where do I start to begin to put my treasures in the kingdom? I can think of no better place than when you come in, your kids are hearing the word of God, and your kids are learning about Jesus week in and week out, and your students are over here every Wednesday night gathering together in small groups, discussing life with one another and how faith and life intersect with one another. And we gather here every Sunday to sit and to be encouraged by worship and to be challenged by the word where week in and week out lives are changed by the the power and the grace of Almighty God. I can think of no better place for us to begin investing than right here. And another benefit of this is that something happens to our heart as we begin to invest in the kingdom of God, as we begin to invest in eternal things. Our heart begins to shift toward things that are eternal. Our heart begins to shift towards heaven, begins to shift towards the kingdom of God. Jesus put it this way. He said, where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Parents, if you've sent a kid to college, you understand this. Now, I have a younger kids, so I'm not at that age yet. But, you know, I have a, I have a son. And um, I'm not going to lie, as a dad, sometimes I look at my son like, man, it'd be so cool if he played ball. Like, I don't, you know, football, basketball, it'd be so cool if he played ball somehow. And um, j- judging from his parental stock, I don't know if that's going to happen. But... Um, It'd be cool. I just love it. And so let's just say, for example, you know, Andrew gets a scholarship to some, I was going to pick some random place, like North Dakota State University, okay? And so he goes on scholarship to North Dakota State. Now, all of a sudden, I know nothing about North Dakota State University, okay? But if Andrew gets a scholarship to North Dakota State, all of a sudden, I'm going to know what the mascot is. I mean, I'm just assuming it's like the fighting Mount Rushmore's or something like that. I have no idea, you know. But, but I'm going to know what the mascot is. I'm going to know where the school is located other than North Dakota State, you know. And I'm going to know about the campus. I'm going to know about the history. Why? Because my treasure went there. Now my heart will follow. And what we have to understand is that your, your heart does, your, your treasure doesn't follow your heart. Your heart follows your treasure. And so if you wait to say, well, man, if I just felt it a little more, I'd give. Or if I just, you know, if I felt a little more holy, then I'd give. You're going to wait forever. But if you will send your treasure on ahead, your heart will follow your treasure. And so if you want your heart to be put in kingdom things, if you want your heart to be invested in eternal things, if you want your heart to be about the kingdom of God and not about the kingdom of world, if you will invest in that, your heart will follow. And Jesus said, what where a treasure is, there our heart goes. See, we understand that earthly treasure is temporary. Security is found by investing in the eternal. Earthly treasure is temporary, so security, real security is found by investing in the eternal. All right, next thing Jesus goes on to say. He says, 
Starting in verse 22, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. I always thought this part of the scripture was really weird because Jesus is talking about money. Then all of a sudden, he starts talking about optometry. You know, he's like talking about our eyes. I just felt like that was always really random. But I think what Jesus wants us to see in this is this, is that earthly treasure is tempting. Earthly treasure is tempting. The earthly treasure can tempt us to get our eyes off of the things of God. And what we allow into our eyes is so important. So I love um, Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, you know, going on there, finding deals, finding that guy who has the $1,000 thing that he's selling for like 100 bucks because he doesn't know what he has. You know, it's like I love that. It's love the thrill of the hunt of it and just getting things and, and you know, buying and selling and all that. I just, I just so love it. But what I've discovered is if I spend too much time looking at things that I can't afford and things that I can't buy, there's a discontentment that stirs up and grows inside of me that what I allow into my eyes, when I put the focus on of my eyes, has such an important um, factor in, what, in where it steers my heart, where it steers my attention, where it steers my life. Because I believe discontentment doesn't start in your heart. It starts in your eyes. The discontentment doesn't start in your heart. It starts in your eyes. It starts with what you are looking at. And what the, what the enemy wants to do, the poison that the enemy wants to do for us is to get our focus on the things of this world, to get our focus on, on accumulating so that we can feel secure, to get our focus on getting more so that we feel like we have a sense of stability. And if he can get us to focus on that, it's easier for him to shift our focus away from the things of God. See, finding our security in earthly treasure tempts us to prioritize gain, over God. Finding our security and earthly treasure tempts us to prioritize gain over God. And I think it's really subtle how this works. I don't think it's blatant. I don't think it's, well, you're saying if I, I have money that I'll no longer love God, no longer be in church. No, I'm, not, I'm not saying that at all. I think it's more subtle what the enemy can do to get our focus off what God has called us to. So maybe for some of you here in this place, you know that God is calling you to begin the process of giving. God is calling you to take that step of faith, but all you can see are the reasons why you can't do it. All you can see with your eyes are the reasons why it doesn't make sense. All you can focus on is what the checkbook says at the end, and you say, okay, I know I need to do this, but all I can see and all I can focus on are the reasons why I, I can't do it, and because of that, we say, okay, God, well, I will get you next time, or God, I'll get you when I get more, but what the enemy has done, he's getting our focus off of what God has called us to and, off of, and, and onto our earthly treasure and onto our gain, onto all the reasons why it doesn't make sense. Maybe for some of you, God has called you to spend more time with your family. Maybe for some of you, you've missed the last three or four ball games. You think, ah, I got to be there. You know, I'll be there when, when you know, things slow down or I'll be there when, when I just need to make a little more. I just need to get this promotion. I just need to work hard. My family doesn't see what I see, they don't see, you know, that, that I'm trying to provide for them. They're trying to give them the life I never had, that I'm trying to give them the house that I was never able to grow up in, that I'm trying to let them have the cars that I was never able to drive. And they don't see what I see, but your focus is on trying to provide security, the earthly means, and you're missing what God has really called you to, and that God's called you to love your family. God's called you to be there 
for your family. It's so subtle how the enemy can get our focus off the things of God and onto chasing security for ourselves. And I tell you in my life how this is working out right now is that God has called our family to, to pack up and to move several states away and to pastor a church in Ohio. And it, it, I know God's called us to do that. But it's so scary at times because if I'm not careful, all I can see with my eyes are the reasons why it doesn't make sense. All I can see and all I can focus on at times are the reasons why. Daniel, why would you leave a church that has amazing worship, that has mostly amazing people? I'm just kidding. All of you are amazing. I'm just kidding. Has, has amazing people, a, a church that, that is, is doing amazing things for the kingdom, and leave all of that for a church that's half the size. Why would you leave the security of the friends that you've built? Why would you leave the security of your family? Why would you leave the security of your routine and the school systems? Why would you leave that security to chase after this? And if I focus on that, it can tempt me away from what I know God has called me to do. What we focus on is so important. What we allow into our eyes is so important. But that's why we have to keep our eyes on Jesus, that we can't let earthly treasure tempt us away, tempt our focus away from what God has called us to do. See, earthly treasure is tempting, but security is found by keeping our eyes on Jesus. We keep our eyes on him. That's where our security comes from. We keep our eyes. We keep our focus on him, and that's where security comes from. So we know earthly treasure is temporary. Earthly treasure is tempting, and the final thing we see, Jesus outlays in verse 25. He says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? The final thing that we see is that earthly treasure is temperamental. Earthly treasure is temperamental. It's up and down. It's volatile. It's finicky. It's temperamental. Let me ask it to you this way. How much money would it take for you to feel secure? I mean, don't say it, but think, think about the number in your head, right? How much money would it take for you to feel secure? When I was in college, I remember thinking, one day, I'm going to make $30,000 a year. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to make $30,000 a year. Man, I can't wait for that. Oh, man, one day I'm going to get there. And you know what happened? I achieved my goal. I made $30,000 a year. And I quickly discovered it's not a lot of money. <laughs> and so as I made $30,000 a year, I thought one day I'm going to make $50,000 a year. And then I'll be secure. And then I'll be able to do what I want to do. And by the grace of God, one day I made $50,000 a year. Well, I guess one year. I didn't make, you get what I'm saying. I made $50,000 and discovered it's not as much money as I thought it was. And so I sit here now and I think one day maybe I can make $100,000 a year. That day has not come. So maybe what I'm saying is completely not true because maybe once you make that, everything is great. I have no idea. But I do know people who make six figures. And I will tell you what, they say, no, if I could get this, then I would feel secure. If I could, if I could do this, then I would feel secure. In fact, I'm reading this book on contentment. And in this book, they quote a study of people who have a net worth of $25 million or more, okay? Study net worth, $25 million or more. And they found that the vast majority 
of those people felt financially insecure. Think about that. Net worth of 25 million, we're talking million, 25 million dollars a year. Net worth of 25 million dollars and they feel financially secure. They would say, well, but, but I mean, my buddy over here, he's making 100 million, man. He's really secure. I just, I still need to do this. I still need to do this in order for me to be secure. Isn't that crazy? But this is why earthly treasure is temperamental because it's never enough. You're just chasing and chasing, and then you get the thing you think you want, but then you realize, oh, I've got to chase some more, and you get that thing you think, but then I've got to chase some more, and if I, if I had this, I would feel secure, and then you get that. It's like, well, actually, I need this to feel secure. Well, actually, I need, I need this, or I need to have this thing, or I need to wear this thing, or I need to be in this neighborhood, or I need to drive this car, or I need to have this much, or I need to have this thing, and we keep chasing security, but security can't be found in these things that are temperamental, because the truth is, church, you cannot find security in things that are not secure. You cannot find your security in things that are not secure, and everything on this earth is not nailed down. It is here today. It is gone tomorrow. The car that you think you want today is going to be the car that you can't wait to get rid of tomorrow. The clothes that you so desperately want to buy today is going to be the fashion that's out of style tomorrow. The food that you have to have today is going to be tomorrow's. Some of you filled in the blank there. You knew where I was going with that. What you're chasing after today if you're trying to find your security in it, it's so temporary. It's so up and down. The truth is, too, if we put our security in things that are temperamental, up and down, up and down, here today, gone tomorrow, if we put our security in things that are temperamental, we become temperamental. And this is why some of you, you're no fun to be around toward the end of the month. Because you're so stressed about money and your security and your stability is all wrapped up in what you have. And because of that, you let it affect every part of you. And the kids know not to get around you because it's the end of the month. And on the flip side, man, when life is good, when the paycheck comes in, when the tax return comes in, everyone gets ice cream, you know. But you're temperamental because your security is tied in to things that are temperamental. And Jesus says there's a better way. Jesus says you don't have to be tied into the temperamentalness of your checking account or your savings account or the number of hours you get on your paycheck, whether or not you get the overtime or whether or not your, your pension's doing good or whether or not your 401k is doing good or how the stock market's doing and you don't, your, that your security does not have to be tied into all these things that are temperamental, that you could have a peace that is not tied to outward circumstances, that you can have a peace that is deep and lasting and abiding. He says, if you'll seek the kingdom of God above all else, live righteously, he will give you everything you need. Church, do we believe it? Do we believe it? If we'll seek him first, if we'll seek and invest in the things of the kingdom first, the kingdom people and the kingdom places, if we'll put our investment, if we'll put the focus of our lives, not on things that tempt us away from God, but put the focus of our life on him, and we stop attaching ourselves to things that are temperamental and always up and down and say, I'm putting my feet on the rock of Christ Jesus. What if we lived like that, church? I think we discover that earthly treasure is temperamental, but security is found by trusting in God. Security is found by trusting in God. I want to invite uh, Eric and Stan to come on up. And I, I want to share, I just want to say something really quick as they're coming. So was not planning on saying this um, until this morning. God just kind of laid this on my heart. There, there is so much 
chaos and fear and panic going on in our world right now. Panic, fear that is going on in our world right now, related to so many things, elections and sickness and economies and so many things that are going on right now. And I believe that this message is not just about money, but this message of where we find security is so important because now is the time for the church of God and the people of God to rise up and to be different than the world around us. That while the world is in fear and panic, that the people of God would live in faith and providence for who God is and what God is. That while the world is shaken, that we are standing on the rock of Christ Jesus. That we believe that our God is the firm foundation. That our God is the solid rock. That our God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That nothing can pluck us out of his hand, that though you can destroy the body, you cannot touch the soul, that this is where our security comes from. It's time for us, church, to be a light in the darkness. It's time for us, while people are freaking out and while people are panicking, for us to have peace and for us to have calm and for us to have confidence that this is an opportunity for the church to be the church, for you to be in your workplace and people are freaking out about stuff and for you to be the calm, you to be the calm in the middle of the storm in your workplace, for you to be the calm in the middle of the storm at your campus, for you to be the calm in the middle of the storm in your family. Man, aren't you freaking out about this? No, man, I know God's got it. I know God's got it. My confidence isn't in politicians. My confidence isn't in drug manufacturers. My confidence isn't in a stock market. My confidence, my security is in Jesus.